Steve Nash or Jay Kidd in his prime, who would you choose to run your team? Who would be your first selection? We'll also finish up looking at Sports Illustrated's top 100 NBA players. We're going to pick it up at number 59. This is the cipher. With Steve Nash and Jason Kidd both going into the Hall of Fame last weekend, it's not a shock that a lot of fans and former players are comparing the two and trying to decide or debate on which was the better player. This is Paul Pierce's opinion. Jay Kidd. I mean, he can do more. He was a better rebounder. Um, you know, the passing is toss-up. Better defender. You know, and Kidd is top, one of the top ten all-time three-point shooters, quiet as kept. That's true. Jason Kidd has made almost 1,500 more three-pointers than Steve Nash. He's also taken almost 2,000 more shots. But that's a fair point. Jason Kidd, in the middle to late part of his career, worked on his shot and developed a respectable three-point shot. But here's the thing. Steve Nash, for his career, shot 42% from three. Steve Nash almost averaged you know that club they always talk about the 50 40 90 club for his career steve nash shot 49 percent from the field 42 percent from three and 90 percent from the free throw line jason kidd no question the better defender it's not even close he was an elite defender nine time all nba defense five of those times it was first team so there's no question that jason kidd was much more impactful on that end of the floor. Don't, don't forget how great a rebounder he was. Steve Nash, not much of a defender. So there's no question in that sense, you give the edge to Jay Kidd. Having said that, and even though Jason Kidd is a great leader, floor general, I would say that Steve Nash was a much more fluid offensive player. There's just no question to it. Steve Nash could have averaged 20 plus a game easy. If there's one flaw or one complaint about Steve Nash, you'd want him to have shot more. He was that great a shooter, and he was terrific off the dribble. Put Steve and Nash in pick and roll and let him turn the corner, and you're in trouble. It's work. Trust me on that. As a Laker fan, I saw it one too many times. I'm not saying Steve Nash is better than Jason Kidd. I'm not here to make that case. What I am making the case is I think when you match them up and you look at their skill sets, I think it's a lot closer than most would admit to. I think most would think because they're floor generals that offensively they think it's a wash, and I don't think so. I think that Steve Nash's ability to shoot, and not just shoot, but shoot at a high level and be much more efficient. Remember, Jason Kidd for his career averaged 40% from the field. Steve Nash shot 42% from three. While Kidd did improve his three-point shot, his career average of 35% is just a league average. So I'm impressed that he came on late in his career, worked on his shot, and made himself a legitimate threat from behind the arc. But I think offensively, Steve Nash has an edge. So again, we're talking about two of the greatest point guards of all time. I'm not making a case one way or other. I'm just pointing out, I think when you look at them, when you look at their overall careers, their overall impact on a game, maybe even you, if you just look at where the game has gone to and how it's shifted and how the game is played right now today, 
how it spread out. If you maybe if you were drafting today, you might pick differently. You might pick J Kid still, or you might look at where the game is played and how the three ball has become such a big part of the game, and you might shift your choice to Steve Nash. Either way, we're talking about two great players, both well deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Think about it. Hit me up on Facebook. You can hit me up on the Anchor app. Don't forget, guys, we're about to slide into Sports Illustrated's Top 100. H and I left off at number 60. We're going to pick it up at number 59. That's Harrison Barnes. There's no question. Harrison Barnes is a really good basketball player. Sports Illustrated has Harrison Barnes at number 59. I don't have a problem with him being rated this high. But when you look at Harrison Barnes, no, he's not a number one option. He's not the kind of guy that can carry your team. And I think that in the best of situations, he's your third or fourth option. The truth of the matter is the best situation for Harrison Barnes was the situation he left in Golden State. He didn't have the pressure of trying to get buckets. He could just play in space and wait for opportunities. He's a really good player, the kind of player that if you already have star or superstar level talent and you add a guy like Harrison Barnes to that, he can help you ascend to another level. He's that kind of player. I just don't think someone of his skill set and his mental is the kind of guy you would pay the way the Mavs paid to get him. Talented player, but not somebody that you can build your franchise around. And number 58, Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague is a terrific, rock-solid NBA player. The problem with Jeff Teague is he teases you with these spurts or these moments, even a couple of blip seasons where you think Jeff Teague's about to ascend to another level, and then he kind of levels off. I think Jeff Teague has star talent. He just doesn't have the mentality or the consistency of being a star. Can he help the Timberwolves go to another level? I think that Jeff Teague on the right team in the right role coming off the bench as a six man would make that team a title contender. Jeff Teague is your starting point guard can help you get into the playoffs. I don't think he can help you contend for a title at number 58. I have no problems with Jeff Teague being rated there. Number 57, not surprisingly a guy who contends on defense, great leader has the ability to distribute I like Ricky Rubio. My only problem with Ricky Rubio is over the course of his career, he never developed a consistent jump shot. And I think until he can de- he can develop a consistent jump shot, I'm not even talking about from three. Although being able to be effective from three would short would definitely elevate his game. But let's just say that what Ricky Rubio needs, he has to develop a consistent mid-range. If he can do that, it would make him that much more effective when he drives to the basket. I love the way he competes on defense, but if Utah is going to make this big step that everybody thinks they're going to make this season, Rubio's got to become a better shooter. At number 56, his running mate, Joe Ingles. I like Joe Ingles. I wouldn't rate Joe Ingles this high. I don't think Joe Ingles should be rated 56. Joe Ingles is a really, really good player, and I know Utah... Because they upset OKC, everybody thinks they're ascending and they're going to be like the second or third best seed in the West. And I don't see that. I like Joe Ingles a lot. But to me, Joe Ingles is a role player, a very good role player, 
but not the number 56 best player in basketball. You, I mean, I don't think Joe Ingles is better than Andre Iguodala. I just don't think so. I don't see it. Number 55, Jamal Murray. Last year, Jamal Murray averaged over 16 points a game, just under four assists a game. I love Jamal Murray's improvement in creating off the bounce. His range reminds you of Steph. He doesn't have Steph's quick release, but he does have a quick release. Jamal Murray is an ascending player. The Nuggets are a unique team because they don't really play with a point guard. Both of their guards are combo guards who are more shooter than they are distributor. But I like Jamal Murray. He's an ascending player, a developing player. Him at number 55, that's a good call by Sports Illustrated. Number 54, Dario Sarage. Love Sarage. I think Sarage is the unsung hero on the Sixers. Last year, he averaged over 14 points a game, just under seven rebounds. Remember, remember, Sarage is only 24 years old. You put him with Simmons, with Embiid, and that's a really formidable front court. Not to mention, Sarge is also improving. I like the way he's extended his range. I like how he can play tough in the post. Sarge is an ascending player, and he's one of those players that when his rookie contract goes up, he's going to be sought after. Number 53 is Eric Bledsoe. Let me say this real quick. Just on talent alone, on, on his actual talent, Eric Bledsoe should probably be, probably be in the top 30. But because he underachieves consistently, number 53 is probably where he should be, and that might be high. I think when you're that talented, but you're stagnant when you go somewhere where there's expectations, but you can put up numbers when you're in Phoenix and their fools goals numbers because you can put up numbers on a team that's not very good. I just think that Eric Bledsoe is one of those guys that does just enough. Talent-wise, I guess he can squeeze in at 53, but when you combine the talent and the lack of actual production or how he got outplayed by Terry Rozier in the playoffs, I thought Terry Rozier destroyed him. Putting him at number 53, in my opinion, even with his talent, that's kind of high. Number 52, Christoph Porzingis. Obviously, the unicorn talent-wise would be rated a lot higher. But when you're coming off the kind of injury he's coming off, I can understand the caution. I feel the same way. Look, if Porzingis can come back healthy, 100% healthy, and he can, he can continue to improve his game, not just with his shooting from three because he's a big that can stretch the floor, but I think he needs to get back closer to the basket and improve upon his rebounding. He's a great weak side defender, and he gets a lot of block shots doing that. I think for the Knicks to go to another level, Prezins has got to get stronger. He's got to get, and he has to get stronger and develop a much more refined post game. Right now, he's a talented shooter, great weak side defender, but I think he needs to diversify his game. I, I think he needs to expand his game. He needs to be more than just a one-trick pony. I like Przingis. Hope he comes back 100% because if he does, this time next year, I'm sure he's going to be in the top 20, maybe even 15 on, on this list. Number 51, Derek Favors. I like Derek Favors. I like the combination of Derek Favors with Gobert. I think... Derek Favors' ability to post, his ability to face up and shoot from 12 to 15 feet. Um, he's a tough 
in the post defender, not a great defender, but in the team concept, the way Utah plays defense, he can use his body. And when he uses his body and gets into offensive players, he's got Gobert to come by behind him and clean up. I like his skill set in terms of what he can do offensively, too. Favors is a terrific post player. He's got a really high basketball IQ. He plays really well with pick and roll and pip, pick and pop situations. Getting him back was a big move for the Jazz. And I know, again, I'm not down on the Jazz. I was really impressed with what they did last year. I just don't know if they're going to be the third or fourth best seed in the West. I, I have them around six or seven, but that's me. Derek Favors at number 51. I have no problem with that. Number 50, Devin Booker. Devin Booker is, is kind of like a younger version of Eric Bledsoe. The talent tells you this guy's a top 20 player. But because he's on a bad team and he is the focal point on that bad team, I don't know how good he actually is. We know he can play. We know he can score. I've yet to see if he can play and score in meaningful times. I don't know if he can carry a team. Now, they've added young talent. They've made great draft picks. Can Devin Booker lead the Suns close to the playoffs, at least to a 35-win, 40-win season? I don't know. When I, look at, when I look at Phoenix's roster top to bottom, I think they're going to be fun to watch. Nobody's going to be any more fun than he is. Again, we're talking about a guy who averaged 25 points, over four rebounds and just under five assists a game. I just don't know yet, is he a franchise player? But talent-wise, and if you want to use that P word, potential, I can understand why they rated him at, at number 50. Number 49, Eric Gordon. Like Eric Gordon, the man can stretch the floor. He is a perfect fit in Houston's system. Gordon can stretch the floor. He's also sneaky athletic. And sneaky quick. He doesn't have a great handle, but he has an incredible first step and he blows by people and he'll bang on you. You put Eric Gordon, James Harden, and Chris Paul on the floor, and, and now with the addition of Carmelo, that's going to be an interesting mix. Eric Gordon, number 50, makes complete sense. I think Eric Gordon is underrated. I think he's unsung. I think him at 50, I'm good with that. Or I'm sorry, at number 49, I'm good with that. And number 48 is Robert Covington. Uh, Covington is a great defender. He proved himself last year making first team all NBA defense. But what he didn't do was he didn't show up in the playoffs. And for me to be convinced that he's the number 48 best player in the game, you got to coming off what he did in the playoffs. I wouldn't put him ahead of Eric Gordon. I wouldn't put him ahead of a few people. I think Robert Covington is rated way too high for this list. Number 47, my man, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown carries himself like a star. He has the confidence of a star player. And if you look at his production and what he's done the last couple of seasons, he seems to be trending and ascending to become a star. But I don't think he's a star player. I don't think Jay, I, I think he's a really, really good player who's a borderline star. I actually think his younger teammate might surpass him because he's a much more fluid offensive player. But I like Jalen Brown's athletic ability. I, I like his athleticism combined with his ability to defend. To me, 
even though he's a very good scorer, I think Jalen Brown could not just be a good defender. I think he could be one of the two or three best defenders in all the NBA if he will really lock in and focus on that side of the floor. He's that gifted defensively and can guard multiple positions. I like Jalen Brown. Would love to have him on my own team. I think he's that guy that if you're a title contender, he's probably your third or fourth option. That's where he fits to me. Him being rated number 47, I think it's right because he's still an ascending talent. I don't know what his ceiling is. I still don't think it's star, but I wouldn't have a problem if he proved me wrong. Number 46, Andre Drummond. I like everything about Andre Drummond, except it seems that, and and I guess the word they use now is high leverage moments. I like to call clutch moments or money moments. He seems to waver a lot of times. When I look at Andre Drummond, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of the younger Dwight Howard, where mostly he relies on his physicality, his athleticism. He needs to develop a low post game. He needs, if nothing else, he needs to develop at least a go-to move and a counter to that go-to move, just in case. If he does that, I think he actually can ascend and, to, and go to another level. He has that kind of potential. I know he's more of a back-to-the-basket guy, and the league is definitely getting away from that, but he's athletic enough. He runs the floor well enough, and he's a good enough rim protector that he can be impactful even in this era. Andre Drummond being rated at number 46 makes sense. I think that he works on his game. He refines his game. He's going to be rated a lot higher. Number 45, Goran Dragic. I've been a fan of Dragic since he first came into the league. I loved him when he was with Phoenix. I can remember that one playoff series where he ate Tony Parker alive. The problem with Dragic is when you have that kind of success that quick, you immediately go to, I'm a star, and he started feeling himself. And I know Miami brought him in, and he's made a couple of all-star teams. But ultimately, when you look at Miami, the fact that they have the highest payroll in the league, they don't have one superstar in that roster. I like Drogic, but he can't carry a team. He's not a franchise player. They don't have a franchise. They have the highest play payroll in all the NBA, and they're devoid of a franchise player. He's a good player. And yes, he can be your floor general, but he's not really... He's not really a distributor. He's, he's another one of these guys, and the league is full of him. He's more scorer than he is distributor. Drogic, more times than not, will average around five or six assists a game. He's, he is more of a scorer. I like him at this number. I think it fits him, number 45. I have no problems with him being here. I just think it's funny how people keep calling him a point guard. He's a combo guard. Get it right. Number 44, speaking of combo guards, the young man himself, the younger version of Drogic with more range, Gary Harris. I mentioned earlier, when you combine Gary Harris with Murray, Denver's very unique. They play with two combo guards and really run their offense through their big. Joker averages almost seven assists a game. That's very unique. Having said that, if the Nuggets are going to take that step forward that I expect them to this season... I think Harris and Murray have to be more effective at creating for others. Moving on to number 43, DeAndre Jordan. What can you say about DeAndre Jordan? The guy is one of the best rebounders in the NBA. He's a big who runs the floor like a small forward, doesn't have an offensive game at all. And it's strange that the Mavericks, the team that 
he teased and then walked away from because they wanted to build around him like he was a franchise center. A couple years later, now they're bringing him in at age 30. Don't get me wrong. I think he will help the Mavs. I think he will energize them with his ability to rebound, rim protect. But he was never a franchise center. He'll never be a franchise center. He's a complimentary player at best. The question is, who is he going to compliment? Because Harrison Barnes is also a complimentary player. What Dallas needs is they need their young draft picks and they need Dennis Smith Jr. to ascend. The better they are, the more effective DeAndre Jordan is because he's not the kind of player you throw the ball to and say get buckets. It's just not in his game. It's not in him. DeAndre Jordan being rated number 40, 43 to me, a little bit high. I wouldn't have him there. Same for the next guy, Otto Porter. I like Otto Porter. I think Otto Porter is a really good complimentary player. But when you watch the Wizards' successes and their failures, a lot of it is put on John Wall. And if he's your best player, he deserves a big chunk of that. But I will say another part of it is the fact that Otto Porter isn't as good as they thought he would be. He, he I give him credit. His first couple years in the league, I thought he was toast. I thought he was done. But he's actually worked really hard and made himself into an effective, solid player. But I think for the Wizards to go to another level, he's got to be more assertive. He's got to take this 14 points per game and get that up to 18 points a game. He's got to be more assertive and more consistent. I like how he's worked on his game. I wouldn't rate him at number 42. Number 41, Blake Griffin. I would rate him around this. I think Blake Griffin is a player. When you say players are ascending, I think Blake Griffin is going in the opposite direction. Last year, Blake gave you 21.7 rebounds and just under six assists. Now, the six assists, the, the, the 5.8 assists to be exact, that's impressive for a power forward. But the seven rebounds per game, not that impressive at all. I think what he's trying to do is extend his, his, his game by shooting more from the perimeter. The problem is he's not a really good shooter, especially from three. He's actually borderline awful. But when you trade for a guy who has a who has one hundred and seventy three million dollars connected to them. The Pistons are married to the success of Blake Griffin. So it's on them and on him to get back to getting in the post, being more physical and attacking the basket. For most of his career, Blake Griffin got to the foul line seven or eight times a game. Last season, he got there four times per game. To me, the more aggressive Blake, the more effective Blake, will make Andre Drummond and others more effective. But this, this jump-shooting Blake, you don't want to invest $173 million on Blake Griffin's jump shot. And him being ranked 41st, considering where he was at one point in his career, it's fair but I wouldn't be surprised if he would be ranked lower next year. Number 40, Marc Gasol. Like Marc Gasol, talented big, can shoot from 16 to 18 feet, great passer, great rebounder. At one point, a terrific defensive player, but he slipped a lot defensively the last couple seasons, and maybe something that has something to do with age. He is over 30, and his body's been beaten up a little bit. Definitely a player that's in decline, but a player that's still impactful. 
What I what I disagree with is all the people that say that Marcus Hall is one of the big free agent pick pickups of 2019. He's a big free agent pickup if you're a team that's on the verge of winning a title or competing for a title and you think you need that one big or somebody like that. But if you're somebody that's trying to get in the mix to compete or, or at least elevate a younger team, he's 32. He's going to be 33. He's not part of your future. So I don't think the market for Mark Gasol is going to be as vast as most do. Again, rock solid player, talented guy, but it seems like age is starting to catch up to him. Number 39, a young player who, who I think is ascending, who's elevating, and who really stepped up big in the playoffs last year, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum in his rookie season averaged just under 14 points a game and five rebounds. What I liked about Jason Tatum is he didn't play like a rookie for most of the season. He didn't look like a rookie for most of the playoffs. I thought that Jason Tatum had a calmness about him that guys that are four or five year veterans have. And I think what I'm really impressed with is a lot of young players and even some older ones, because they just never get it. They play too fast and they get ahead of themselves. So they telegraph or they stumble when they try to make a move. And Tatum always seems to be under control. He seems to know how to play with pace. I like his skill set because he can shoot from outside. He can also put it on the deck. And early in his career, this is great. Early in his career, he bought in the defense immediately. So that makes him a legitimate two-way player. Jason Tatum being ranked number 39. I think they nailed that. Number 38, Steven Adams. I think Steven Adams is very similar to DeAndre Jordan, but unlike DeAndre Jordan, Steven Adams has already developed some really clever and, and, and clever post moves. He can actually finish going left or right. He's got a jump hook with either hand. And he's he's a guy who he seems to he seems to play better as the game goes on. He seems to get stronger. I like the way that Steven Adams can play pick and pop. He's actually improved. He's got this little floater that he can hit from 12 feet out. Steven Adams is Russell Westbrook's number one guy because what Steven Adams does is with his ability to set picks in space and then turn and roll, he makes you have to respect not just Russ's drive, but that pull up. Steven Adams is a terrific big. He's actually an underrated defender as well. I like Steven Adams. I actually think that Steven Adams is still ascending. I don't think Steven Adams has actually reached his ceiling. So look for him to do that this coming season. Steven Adams at number 38. It makes sense. Number 37, Paul Millsap. Steven Adams should be upset. He should be insulted. I, I've been a fan of Paul Millsap for a long time. Paul Millsap is one of those guys very similar to Jimmy Butler in that he wasn't highly sought of coming out of college, but he put the work in. And Paul Millsap in Utah and in Atlanta, he made himself into an all-star caliber player. So I'm a big fan of Paul Millsap and what he's accomplished in his career. But I look at Paul Millsap and he's just, he's, I think he's an older player who can still help a team, but he's not a star anymore and he can't carry a team. I think that what Paul Millsap can do is he can provide some veteran leadership to that young Nuggets team, but to have him rated this high doesn't make any sense to me. I think that Paul Millsap is actually a player like Marcus Saul. He can help you, but he's in decline. Number 36, Mike Conley. Mike Conley is a terrific two-way player. 
The problem is that whole thing about availability. I don't even know how he's rated this high because he didn't play at all last season. I don't know how you rate somebody that didn't play at all. But let's pretend he did play. If Mike Conley had a play last year, I could see him being rated this high. I actually could see him being rated even higher. But because he didn't play last year, I don't think he should be rated this high. I'm a fan of Mike Conley's, but you can't rank a guy that didn't play. Number 35, Clint Capella. Clint Capella, when you think of certain centers in this league, and we're talking about the ones who aren't the most skilled, because ultimately, there are really only like three or four really skilled skilled bigs who are skilled offensively. And that would be the older Marcus Saul. That would be DeMarcus Cousins. That would be Embiid. That would be Joker. Some of them other guys are more like fours who play center. But my point is, guys like Capella, like Dwight Howard, like Steven Adams, like DeAndre Jordan, and even Andre Drummond, the strength of their games is their ability to set picks, rely on their athleticism, their their strength, and finish at the rim. What I like about Capella is he seems to be improving in all areas. Not only is he a terrific rim protector, but when you put him in pick and roll or or or, or pick and roll or quick pop quick pick and pop plays, he's terrific in those scenarios. No, he's not a good shooter outside of the paint, but because he's such a force when he rolls to the basket, it actually frees up James Harden or Chris Paul. Last year, Capella averaged just under 14 points, just under 11 assists or 11 rebounds. I'm sorry. He, could you imagine him having 11 assists? That'd be crazy in two blocks a game. This guy is an ascending player. He's a big reason why the Rockets are the number one threat to the Warriors. I like Clinton Capella. I like the fact that he's elevating and still reaching for his ceiling. At number 35, that's right where he should be. Number 34, Donovan Mitchell. Anybody saw last season and Donovan Mitchell played like a veteran, a star veteran. Donovan Mitchell's a terrific player, terrific competitor. Yes, I've seen I've seen people make the comparisons that he looks a lot like Dwayne Wade. He has that kind of skill set. I would say he's he they're similar. But the scary part is Donovan Mitchell might have as much, if not more hop than Dwayne Wade. And that's saying something because D Wade, young D Wade, Flash had crazy hops. I'm not going to jump the gun and be prisoner in a moment. I see the potential for Donovan Mitchell to not just be a star, but a superstar. But again, let's see how he develops. He was terrific last season in his rookie year. Let's see what he does in year two, because the Jazz, by most accounts, by most experts, they're expected to be a top three or four team in the West. Let's see if he can live up to that. Number 33, C.J. McCullough. I like C.J. McCullough. I'm not sure I'm sold on the combination of Dame Lillard and C.J. McCullough, not because I'm not a fan of both players, because I am. But you're talking about a smaller backcourt, and it showed that when you trap them, when you're physical with them, it took a toll on them. Not to mention, while they're both terrific competitors, neither are what you would call very good defensively, and that also showed. I like C.J. McCullough. 
I think the Warriors will take a step. I mean, the Warriors, I'm sorry. Well, they might too. But I, I actually think the Blazers are going to take a step back. They're going to be in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be as high as a third seed. I think that was more of a blip. For them to ascend or remain as a third seed, they would have to get a lot more production out of a roster that's not very talented. CJ McCullough being rated 33 because of his ability to score and shoot, I'm good with that. Number 32, Kimball Walker. The thing about Kimball Walker is you don't doubt the talent, his explosiveness, his quickness, his, his ability to change direction, and his ability to score. What I know for a fact is if he's your best player, you're not going to be a very good team. And that has nothing to do with how good he is. What I'm pointing out is he can't carry a team. He is a star talent. He is an all-star talent. But he's not a franchise player. And if Kimball Walker is your best player, then your team's going to have limited success. And he's also another combo guard. He's not really a distributor. Kimball Walker in his best season, I think, averaged around seven assists a game. Last year, he averaged just under six assists, six assists a game. What Charlotte has been consistently is they've been consistently bad. Last season, 36 wins. The season before that, 36 wins. It's not all on Kemba because, as you know, Michael Jordan as an owner has made terrible decisions, especially in a draft. But what I think going forward, as a fan of Kemba Walker, I would love to see him play with someone who's better than him. I would love to see him play with an, a superstar talent because I think Kemba playing off of that kind of talent, that would actually elevate his game. Kimba Walker at number 32. I'm not saying it's high. I'm just saying I want and expect more from him. Number 31, Kevin Love. Now, Kevin Love has been one of those kind of guys that people have been down on the last few years. I was never down on Kevin Love. I just wasn't all in like others were when he was in Minnesota. And I know there's been a lot of talk of this year we're going to see Minnesota Kev and he's going to average 26 points and 13 rebounds again. I'm going to say this. I think Kevin Love is going to have a really good season because if he's going to be the focal point, then I expect him to average around 20 points a game, 10 or 11 rebounds, and four, and maybe three or four assists a game. He's going to have a really good year. He's going to elevate his play. His numbers are going to go up. Is it going to help the Cavaliers win games in the sense that they'll actually have a shot to make the playoffs? I don't think so. I think this is where I will agree with some of the people. Yeah, you're going to see Minnesota Kevin Love in the sense that he's going to put up numbers, but his team's not going to go anywhere. Kevin Love at 31 makes sense, especially in fantasy sports. But if you're looking to win games, that's not going to happen. And at number 30, and this is where we're going to stop with the top 100. We'll pick it up tomorrow with H, DeMar DeRozan. Now, last year, DeMar DeRozan... 23 points, just under four rebounds, but a career-high five assists. What's crazy is he actually elevated his overall play, but his team's playoff success weren't, wasn't any better. And it, obviously, a lot of that has to do with LeBron James. But this is my belief. And, and this applies to a lot of guys. And it's not being picky. It's just being real. There are only a handful of superstars in the NBA. There's a lot of people get, that get called that or labeled that, but in reality, they're not. 
DeMar DeRozan is an all-star, but he's not a franchise player. And he's been the Raptors' best player the last five, six seasons. And there's nothing wrong with that, except if he's your best player and Kyle Lowry is your second best player, your success does have a ceiling. The truth of the matter is, in their proper roles, DeRozan would be a number two, Lowry would be a number three. I think DeRozan is going to have a terrific season for the Spurs. Will it be the kind of season where he takes them to the playoffs and they go into a deep playoff run? I don't think so. I think number wise, numbers wise, DeRozan is going to have a terrific season. In the bigger scheme, I think the Spurs are in danger of not making the playoffs this year. DeMar DeRozan being rated number 30 makes perfect sense. Terrific player. Very, very good player. But he needs to be a sidekick, maybe even a third option if you're trying to win a title. In other NBA news, Isaiah Thomas of the Denver Nuggets in an interview with comedian Kevin Hart listed his top six point guards. At number one, he had himself ahead of Steph Curry at number two. At number three, he had Kyrie Irving. At number four, he had Russell, Russell Westbrook. I'm still laughing. And at number five, he had John Wall, followed by Damian Lillard at number six. I love his confidence. Isaiah Thomas' confidence, he never lacks for it. I love the fact that he always believes in himself. I'm a big fan of Isaiah Thomas. I like the way that he's worked himself into becoming a star. Uh, hopefully he can bring himself back up to that level. I think that on the Nuggets, there is a role for him. He can come off the bench with Barton and provide firepower. But if we're living in reality, Isaiah Thomas would not be in my top. He wouldn't be in my top 10 point guards. And when you're talking about point guards, let's let's be honest. Most of these point guards are more scorer than they are distributor. But let's just rank them on. To me, I'm going to rank them on impact. So for me, number one, Steph Curry. Number two, Russ. Win or lose, Russ's impact on the game is, it, 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 it is amazing. It's because of how he plays 100, 100%, 100 miles an hour, balls to the wall. Russ is number two. Number three, Chris Paul. I think on this list, maybe in the league with the exception of a couple other guys who aren't in the top 10, Chris Paul, if you're just talking about who's the best point guard in the league, Chris Paul's the best point guard in the league. But I'm rating point guards in terms of impact on the game. Number three is Chris Paul. Number four, Kyrie Irving. Number five, Damian Lillard. Number six, John Wall. Number seven, Kyle Lowry. Number eight, Kimball Walker. Number nine, Mike Conley, a healthy Mike Conley. And then at number 10, I've got a healthy Isaiah Thomas. And I've got him just ahead of Rubio, Teague, Drogic, because I think they're all kind of like bunched into the same thing. Isaiah Thomas isn't really much of a distributor. He's more of a shoot first guy, a high volume scorer who can help teams. There is a role for him. That season that he had with the Celtics will never be forgotten. But I think that that season is more of a blip season than it is who he's going to be going forward in the league. I'm a big fan of his, big fan of all these guys. You hate to pit anybody um, against each other. And, and, and just for the record, I think guys like Harden, Ben Simmons, and LeBron kind of go in their own categories because Harden averages 
eight or nine assists per game over the last couple seasons. And obviously, you know what Ben Simmons and LeBron can do. I think Isaiah Thomas is going to have a, a really rock-solid comeback year. And I love his, again, I love his confidence. Is he one of the 10 best point guards? Well, judging by the way I counted them out, if he's healthy and he can fit into the role that the Nuggets have, or at least they have in mind for him, I expect Isaiah Thomas to have a really good bounce back year. I expect him to be a legitimate candidate for comeback player of the year. Hit me up on Facebook, guys. We'll do we'll do NBA fantasy matchup tomorrow. It'll be either, either be me and H or just be me. And football game tonight, Ravens versus Bengals. That's a big rivalry. Not to mention, don't forget, it's a division game. I think the Ravens are much improved, but I think the Bengals have more offensive firepower. I'm going to give the edge to the Bengals tonight. Also, got to watch them Giants against the Cowboys. Who doesn't want to see Odell Beckham Jr.? He's that dude. Hit me up on Facebook, guys. Don't forget the Anchor app. Shout out to Anchor. Love this app. It's the Cypher. Next time.